Have you ever done something that you really did not enjoy, but it was necessary to do? Growing up as a kid in southwest Minnesota, one of the things that my parents did was give us chores to do. I'm sure you had the same. And one of those chores was we had a, a weekly rotation of, uh, in regards to mealtime. And so there were four of us, and so what happened was one, one week, uh, it was someone set the table, cleared off the table after supper, someone washed the dishes, you know, uh, and did all that stuff, and someone dried, and then another one had the week off uh, from doing any of those respective chores. And while it was fun to set the table, because you set it and cleaned it off and you were done, and it was kind of fun to dry the dishes, I really hated washing them. Uh, because guess what? I had to wash them by hand. <gasps> yes, there was a time I had to wash dishes by hand. I didn't have a dishwasher, okay? Believe me, we begged my mom and dad for years to get a dishwasher. Please, 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 we don't like washing dishes. We still had to wash dishes by hand. And I hated it. But it needed to be done. Because the dishes weren't going to do themselves. And because it was our responsibility... Had to wash the dishes. And I tell you what, there were weeks where I just, I was counting down the days until I was done. You know, Monday came, oh, God, start the dishes again. You know, going through the whole process. All right? I didn't like to do it, but it had to be done. And perhaps you can think of times in your lives where you, you had to do something that you really didn't enjoy, but you had to do it. And even today, we have things that we don't like to do. Or perhaps things that are harder to do, but we still do this, them because it's necessary. And so we come to a passage of Scripture this morning that, where we find an attitude and an action that is hard to do and not very popular today in our society. And while I must explain it first before getting into the proposition, I would encourage you, as we think about this, that there is application for all of us, directly meaning here in verses 22 through 24 of Ephesians chapter 5, this is primarily to the married ladies of the church. But that does not give any of us else the responsibility or the right to doze off. So I'm going to keep my eye on everybody this morning. Okay, there will be something for you, okay? This is not something that's just supposed to be to the ladies in the church. This is for all of us. There are things here for all of us. So please, as we walk through this, I'm going to explain it. Uh, hopefully as best I can, uh, but there is something for all of us. The proposition that I could give you this morning is that ladies in your marriages, live as God commands. Live as God commands. Here at the beginning of chapter 5, verse 22, what we have here is Paul is going to start walking through the different relationships in the household. And he's going to say, how do you live as the new man in Christ in your relationships. This morning we'll talk about ladies. And you notice, gentlemen, that the ladies get three verses. In a two weeks, gentlemen, we'll get eight verses. So while you might be enjoying the time that your wife is being preached at this morning, guess what? In two weeks, you're going to get the worst part of it. Because there is a seriousness to all relationships, and even more so, God places the emphasis on the husband. So... Be prepared for that in two weeks. 
But what but ladies, you ask, how can I do that? How can I live as God commands in my marriage? All right? There are two directions that I would give us, and the first one is that you submit to your husband, and some of you are going, <gasps> that naughty word. All right? But let me explain it this morning. I think in the way that I will explain it, you will see that it comes from God's perspective. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is how you, as the new woman, new woman in Christ, puts that into practice. We can go back to chapter 4, verse 1 again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul naturally progresses here, building off of the walking worthy of, of the new man we are in Christ as the, child, uh, the children of light, to now talking about, okay, what does this mean? And we've seen this. We've seen how to walk in wisdom. We've seen walking in the light, not grieving the Spirit, chapter 4. Living as a new man, verse 17 of chapter 4. No longer walking as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And what Paul is doing here is as he's delineating the different responsibilities in the house, he's building off of what he says in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So as we, as we submit to one another, as we put each other's passions, desires, and needs ahead of us, what does that look like in our own relationships? And so as I said before, this section of Ephesians now turns to, okay, how do we live like the new man as a husband and wife? How do I, how do I as a child in a home, chapter 6, verse 1, live as the new person I am in Christ? And how does servants and masters in that context, how do they live being new in Christ. And so Paul says, this is how, ladies, in your marriages, uh, you are to live as a new woman you are in Christ. Now let me say this is what this does not mean. Okay, This command is only for married women. The word wives here. It can be translated either woman or wife, but well, we have several evidences here in the text that would lead us to say these are married women. Verse, first proof that I have for you is the context, again, is those who are members of a household and how they're to interact with each other based upon their identity in Christ. So it makes sense based upon that word and the way it's used in the context to say this means wives. A second proof that I have for you is because of the presence of the word husbands in verse 22. All right? The primary relationship that we acknowledge today between men and women is through marriage, Right? That's how primarily that relationship exists. And so that very existence of that word alone would tend toward the translation being the word wives. And then a third proof that I have for you is that, that phrase, own husbands there. The word own there in the original language literally means showing that a relationship exists. So with that usage there, with the context, with the presence of the word husbands, I think a... a an accurate understanding of this term is women who are married, so wives. And this does not mean, leading to another uh, statement here that I have to make, is that nowhere in Scripture are women commanded to be submissive to men. And it's important for me to say this for, for one main reason. And there are several denominations and churches, very conservative churches in our world today, who believe that all women should be submissive to men. Okay? That is nowhere found in Scripture at all. 
They will turn to this verse and say, you know, wives, be, subjective, uh, be submissive to your own husband. And say, that means that women are to be submissive to men. No. That is not true. Now, uh, I will gladly argue that with anyone who says that. Why? Because men and women are designed to function in different roles. Jump down to verse, uh, as we read, well, actually, as we read the, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 this morning, what is Peter's command? Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. It doesn't mean she's bad off. It doesn't mean she's worse than the man. It means that in some ways, men are stronger than women. And in other ways, in some ways, women are stronger than men in other areas. And this, so therefore, it means that does not mean that women are inferior and therefore need to be submissive to men, what does it mean? It means that they function differently. And in the marriage relationship, God says the man is in the authority in that primary position. Now, why, is it, why does Paul and Peter feel the need to say this? Because that was the dominant attitude in the Bible days. If you look back in uh, the laws of Rome, the laws of Greece, and Judaism laws, the man had the priority in everything. From, from one end of the spectrum where a woman was viewed as property and therefore to be uh, used however as the man saw fit to as time went on, uh, the woman was viewed to have a little bit more freedom and relationship. And Jesus and Paul and others, Peter included, come alongside and just tear that attitude down. Jesus taught and used in his ministry women to, to emphasize that both are part of the kingdom of God. Both have equal standing before God. They function differently, but both are equal before God. So I would encourage you, this does not mean, along with other scriptures, that women are inferior to men, and therefore men have that priority. No, that is wrong. That is unbiblical. So what does it mean? It means that wives are be too submissive to their own husbands. Look at, the, look at the phrase, submit to your own husbands. The word own here means to, to belong or to be related to oneself. So this is a, a personal, private relationship between a man and a woman. And again, the word husbands here is it can be translated man, but because of the relationship between the word wife, it's discussion between husbands and wives. So the attitude of submission is between the husband and wife in their relationship, the one with the other. No other husband, listen to this, no other husband has the right to come into that relationship and demand submission from the wife. This is contrary to the word and violates the marriage covenant. Ephesians 5.31, we'll look at this next in two weeks. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And you, you who are married know this. You come together, you are one. No other person has the right to come into that relationship and tell you what to do, especially another man. Men in the church are to care about, to care about the function of their own marriages and not poke their nose into anybody else's. That's why Paul says, submit to your own husbands. The one you're married to, not the one you're not. I think also this leads to the, the explanation, the, the argument against women being submissive to men and women being inferior. 
Paul says here, submit to your own husbands. They're the ones you need to put yourself underneath. The word submit here, again, not a very popular term today. Our society views submission as, as inferior, as degrading, as something that is to be avoided or shunned. Women are to be free and expressive and they can do whatever they want. And while a portion of that is true, what does that mean here, the idea of submission? It means that wives are willingly yielded to their husband's authority, leadership, and care. An illustration I might use is uh, when signing up for the military. How many have served in, in the military? Okay, see, raise your hands. Several of us, okay? Served in the military. I did not have that privilege. When you signed up for the military, what did you do? You yielded to their routine commands and authority, didn't you? You didn't walk up to your sergeant or your commanding officer and say, hey, I'd like to do this for the day. Can I do this for the day? Or you didn't, you didn't say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to avoid KP and you're going to go do this. No, you had to yield to their authority. You had to yield to their wishes for what you, they had for you for the day. And please, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not comparing the husband-wife relationship to military terms. Okay, I'm not. Husbands, that does not mean you're the general, okay? It doesn't. But what it does mean, it, it kind of gives the idea that, ladies, you as, as wives, as active in your relationship, you, you put yourself under his authority, leadership, and care. Notice I, I use three terms there. It's not just his authority and leadership. It's also care there. And, and let me make my case here for this. That phrase, submit, in the original language, the command is not there. Okay, and I'm going to kind of just be kind of techie with you here for a minute. In the original manuscripts, it's not there. It's what we call a verbalist clause. And so what that means is it relies upon the previous verse for its main verb. So going back to verse 21, it's relying upon that word, submitting, to get its word, submit. Peter or Paul has already mentioned it in verse 21. So in verse 22, he doesn't feel to say the word again. He, he, he infers it from verse 21, and therefore the translators put it in verse 22. The word itself means to cause to be in a submissive relationship. It's, the idea is subjecting oneself for the purpose of obedience. But it's also interesting about this word, and again, it's supplied in the original language, is that the construction of the, of the verb notes that it is an expression of the will. Okay? While this is a command here in verse 22, there is also a desire for a will to be expressed. In other words, what am I saying? The wife is to willingly submit to her husband's leadership, authority, and care. She is not forced to do this. And again, this is a, a contrary attitude to back during Bible times. There was an ancient Roman philosophy which stated, never while their men survive, this is a quote actually, listen to this, never while their men survive is feminine subjection shaken off. They themselves abhor the freedom which the loss of husbands and fathers produces. That was the philosophy back then. That once a woman uh, came into this world, she was always subject to whatever man was in her life, whether it be her dad or her husband. And Paul says that is not to be the attitude of the wives in their relationship. They are willingly subject to their husband's leadership, authority, and care. Now, why do I add leadership and care to this? Because you would think that based upon other passages, it's just about authority. No, it's not. 
It is all of those things. So ladies, as you walk through your marriage, you're, you're putting yourself underneath not just the husband's authority as the head of the home and the head of your, of your marriage. You're also putting yourself under his leadership, aren't you? Because where he goes, you go. What he, what he decides as you, as you implicate together, as you talk, that's kind of where you're going. But it's also care and concern. The husband should love his wife and cherish her. As, as we see, jump down to verse uh, 28. Verse 28 of chapter 5. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It, guys, we as men are supposed to love our wives. And in loving our wives, we love ourselves. And when we love ourselves, what do we do? We care for ourselves, don't we? We make sure we're provided and, and uh, our needs are met. And so, ladies, what you're doing as you, as you willingly submit to your husband's leadership and authority, you're also submitting to his care. You no longer have the responsibility of caring for yourself. You have, you're putting yourself underneath your husband so that he can care for you. And in a world where women are encouraged to be free and expressive and care for themselves, that is quite contradictory, isn't it? But yet Paul says here that why are we... Ladies, to submit to their own husbands in their marriage relationship because so that the husband can care for you and can lead you and can direct you as you walk together in life. So submission is not just so that the husband can be the dictator, the wife can be the doormat. That's not the point. It's not it at all. Submission in marriage for, 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 for wives is so that the husband can appropriately do his responsibilities, and one of them is to care for you. I hope your husband's doing that. I would encourage you men, and we'll get to this in a couple weeks, that you would be caring for your wife. It's not about um, just making sure that uh, directions are obeyed and things are done. It's also about care. Also notice with me that submission to the husband is motivated by submission to Christ. As to the Lord. The phrase here, as to the Lord, provides a comparison to not only see what it looks like, but a motivation to do it. You know, Christ is the head of the church, right? We've seen that before. Going all the way back to chapter 3 and talking about His body and, 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 and how everything has been brought together in Him. So He is the head of the body. And we are fellow heirs together with all Gentiles. So, Gentiles. so he is the head. The motivation is because of Christ's headship of the church. The wife as part of the body, as well as the husband, should submit to her husband. As the wife submits to her husband, she does so in the way, same way as she submits to Christ. So really what Paul is talking about here is two submissions. Ladies, to your, to your husbands, also to the Lord. Both ones require... Uh, a, a, a willingness to do so, but are motivated by, as we submit to Christ, we submit to each other, and wives, we submit, wives submit to your own husbands. Then also let me explain another thing that comes from this passage, that the reason for submission is that the husband is a leader in the relationship. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. So the reason, ladies, as you walk through your marriage relationship, why you put yourself underneath your husband's authority, leadership, and care is because he's in charge. 
And as much as you two butt heads, and believe me, that can happen, you know, he's still in charge. He's been put as the head of the home, as the head of the, the relationship. It does not mean he's superior, but he, by position, is the head. This comes all the way back from Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. When God, at the end of the, when sin comes and God brings his judgment, what does he say to Eve? I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That's what happened after sin. There became a, a, a distinction between the roles. The husband is the head of the family, and therefore he is the leader. The comparison here is drawn to Christ's leadership over the church. You can jump back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Okay, that's, that's who Jesus is. That's the one we're supposed to submit to and as he is the leadership of the church. The church is his body. And he, both positionally and authoritatively, is the head of it. So just like Christ, Christ nurtures and loves his body, so that is to be the attitude of the husband. He is the head. He is the one who is, is the leader, but as a leader, he also has responsibilities. And again, in two weeks, we'll get to those. But he has responsibilities. He has things he needs to do. And he should do them just like Christ. Verses 15 and 14, or 15 and 16 in chapter 4. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working, but which every part does it share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The, 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 the reason is the husband is a leader. Christ is the head of our church. And therefore we submit to him. We put ourselves under his leadership, authority, and care. And then Paul adds... He is the Savior of the body. Now this is just a, a separate clause in, in, the, in the whole structure. But it emphasizes Christ's leadership or His headship. Okay? And it, re, it refers to His, his save, saving of the body as He died for her and saved her from eternal judgment, the church. We'll celebrate that this week, won't we? With Good Friday and Easter. That Christ died to save people from their sins so they'd be part of His body, part of the church. Now, in this phrase, there's also a misunderstanding as well that I need to clear up. Some have looked at this phrase and said, that means that the husband is the savior of the wife's body. Well, that's not the case. Contextually and just theologically, no husband can save his wife, right? I mean, it's just not possible. One man cannot die to save another eternally. Only God can do that, right? Amen? Only God can save us eternally. And so what Paul is doing here, he's using this statement to differentiate between the leadership of the two. The leadership of Christ and the leadership of the husband is different. The husband is the head of the wife, the head of the, uh, of the marriage, in position only, as he is given the responsibility to lead, care, and have authority. Christ is the head of the church, not only by position, but also by his virtue of his ability to save her, grow her, and sanctify her. The husband cannot do that, but Christ can. So what's Paul doing here? He's saying the husband and, and, and Christ, as, as they are both similar as leaders and heads of different organizations, Christ the church, the husband and the wife, they function differently. 
The husband serves as, as the leader of, of his wife to, to care and be, uh, lead and provide. But that's all he can do positionally. Christ does so much more. He leads, he provides, he cares, and he has the ability to nurture her and grow her and save her ultimately. The husband cannot do that. So in that one phrase, Paul is showing that even more importantly, the submission that wives and indeed all of us need to have is to Christ because he can do so much more for us. So having walked through all of that, let me ask a couple questions. Ladies, in your marriages, do you realize that submitting to your wife is important? It wouldn't be important if, God didn't, if, it, if it wasn't in here, but it is. Your husband, as flawed as he is, is still the head of your marriage. And are you willingly putting yourself underneath his leadership, authority, and care? And church, can I ask us this morning, husbands, are you acting like the head of your wife as God has called you to be? For the, for the husband is the head of the wife. You have responsibilities, guys, in your marriages. Are you doing those? Are you enacting those in your marriages? That's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to live. And are you doing that? Last direction that Paul gives wives here in, in living as God has commanded you. You follow the pattern of the church in submitting to your husband. Look at verse 24 with me. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Paul lays out just this, this pattern that's to, to be followed. So ladies, as you, in your marriages, as you walk through life with your husband, you're to put yourself under his leadership, authority, and care, and just like the church does, just as the church is subject to Christ. You know, that phrase, just as, is a comparison. It draws the picture between the church's submission to Christ and the husband's submission, or the wife's submission to her husband. So there's a pattern there that she can follow even though the husband is flawed in his leadership. There's a pattern to follow. The church is subject to Christ. The, that, the, the present tense verb is means that this is an ongoing action. Submitting to the leadership of Christ never stops for us as a church. That leads me to ask this question this morning by way of just comparison. Are, are you consistently submitting to the leadership of Christ as part of his body? You know, Christ is our head. He's the one that we're following. He's the one that we put our, ourselves under for his leadership, authority, and care. And are we following him? Are we constantly looking to him as the head, or are we putting ourselves in that position? Are we, are we making ourselves the head of his body? Are we making ourselves the head of our lives and deciding what we want and what we, what we decide is necessary for us? Are we letting Christ do that? Brothers and sisters, I pray this morning that we are, we are submitting to his leadership, that we're using his authority, not ours. Notice also with, with me that the wife follows the pattern of the church in submitting to her husband. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be. Now this word is implied here in the text, but it's, the idea here is that it's a wish 
to be fulfilled. Paul desires that, that wives in their relationship to their husbands submit to them as Christ, or as the church does to Christ. This is the pattern that is to be followed, even though at night might not be pleasant at times. Then notice with me the last little phrase. Paul says, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. What does this mean? That phrase in everything denotes where submission is expected. I think, I think we need to bring other scriptures into play here to define this even further. Okay? I think what we can look at from based upon other scriptures this morning is that this phrase negates any Submission to the husband in areas where Scripture strictly forbids those behaviors. So, for example, the wife does not submit to her husband if he is abusing her in any way, he is threatening her in any way, or challenging or encouraging her to do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. Okay? Scripture forbids that. Scripture forbids doing things that are contrary to His Word. You think about the example of Peter and the apostles when they, are, when they are threatened and encouraged not to preach in the name of Jesus. What do they say to the Jewish leaders? But Peter and the other apostles answered, Acts 5.29, and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Okay? Obeying God is our standard. And when something doesn't fall underneath that standard... We, need, we have the ability to refuse. A wife does not submit if her husband is, is doing things that are contrary to the Word of God, encouraging her to do those things. So in reality, what needs to happen is that we need to have the attitude of, you ladies need to have the attitude of Peter, obeying God rather than men. Just looking at what is being encouraged, what is being done, and putting it underneath the lens of Scripture. Scripture is your authoritative source, ladies. As your, your husband and, and you guys walk together in life, you're constantly evaluating your actions in light of Scripture, and you're putting yourself underneath your husband's authority, leadership, and care. I would also encourage us that this phrase in everything prevents the wife from ignoring the responsibility to be submissive, even in situations where she would rather not. Because we all have those. Ladies, I'm sure there, there are times in, in your marriages that it's been really tough to put yourself underneath your, your husband's leadership. You're, you're, you're kind of wanting to go one way and he's wanting to go the other and, and you're just, you're just, there's this tight times. I know that's kind of the same for my wife and I at times. We, we have these struggles. But what the Scripture says is that it does not say what kind of character the husband may, may have in order to be submissive. He could be unloving. An unbeliever, look, listen to what, again, we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, wives like me, likewise be submissive to your, to your own husbands, that even in so, if some do not obey the word, they're unbelievers, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So in whatever relationship your, your husband is to Christ, you're still supposed to be submissive to him, putting yourself underneath him. Again, he could be an unbeliever, or he could just be a plain old bum. If he's not doing things that are contrary to the Word of God, there's still supposed to be an add to his submission there and putting yourself underneath his leadership. So that does not give women in their marriages and believing women in their marriages the reason to avoid that responsibility. 
So that leads me to ask, in closing here, a couple of questions. Ladies, in your marriages, are you being submissive in all areas or just a few? Again, knowing that it's hard. Knowing that you, you both have opinions. And you may go against each other and it's, it's, it could be the butting of heads. But are you putting yourself underneath his leadership? Are you trusting him in him so that as you move forward, he knows what to do and what is being done and you're, you're, you're following it along? Doing that in all areas or just a few? Are you, are you picking and choosing where you're going to be submissive or are you doing it in all things? And then this morning, church, all of us, are we being submissive to Christ, our head? Are we putting ourselves underneath his, his authority and trusting in him, trusting in his leadership according to his word, and letting him guide us and not putting ourselves in his place? Because that's, what, that's a temptation, isn't it? When we see something that we don't like what God has said, isn't it a temptation for us to say, no, I'm not going to do that, God, I'm going to go somewhere else? Christ is our head. He is our leader. We need to be following Him and trusting in Him to give us the guidance and direction where we need to go, not ourselves. This morning, are you trusting in your head, Christ, to lead you where He wants us to go and not ourselves? We all do things that we don't like. We do them because they're necessary and they may be hard. I think this morning we've seen one topic that is pretty hard. But yet God commands it to be done because, ladies, that's who you are in Christ. How can you achieve this goal? You submit to your husband. You put yourself underneath his leadership, authority, and care. It's not just about authority, not just about leadership. There's care involved too. And you follow the pattern of the church in submitting to your husband. And we as a church need to follow that pattern of submitting to Christ. May you achieve this in your marriages, not because your husband's a great guy, and he probably is, but because a great God wants you to be faithful to his calling for you. May you do that this week and for the rest of your lives.